everybody. Welcome to your favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be talking about Spider-Man comics from September of 1983. That's right. That's right. And we're joined by two special guests. Our first special guest is G.I. Jolie. Hi. I'm back, whether you like it or not. Woo. Oh, and boy. also back this week is Chad... Hi, Chad. Hi, everybody. Chad, what was your superhero name? Remember the last time? What did you say? It was I was again? really hoping you'd remember. Damn, I can't remember. Do you remember? Anyone? It was really cool. Oh, well. If anyone's listening at home, try to remember what it is and let us know. But it's in the recording. Right into the but... podcast. Huh? What's that? Oh, I think I turned my mic down. Sorry, everybody. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so this week, um, it's another, oh, again, my favorite guy is back. It's a Hobgoblin week, so we've got the Hobgoblin, we've got the Fantastic Four, and we've got Cloak and Dagger again, as well as the Punisher. We're going to start off, though, with Amazing Spider-Man 244, featuring the second, really the second story ever with the Hobgoblin. And um, the first thing I want to point out about this issue, and we'll talk about this more in detail later, but it's written by our regular team of Roger Stern and John Romita Jr., but for only the second time ever, it's inked by Klaus Jensen. Okay, we will talk about that later. First, we're going to talk about the story. So once again, for the 12th year in a row, Black Cat is still in the hospital from the injuries <laughs> sustained in uh, Spectacular <laughs> Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man is visiting Chad, her. Chad, do you remember if she was in the hospital when you were on? Uh, no. We talked about no? okay. um, Savage Land. Yeah, we talked about Marvel <laughs> fanfare oh, with Chad. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he's not familiar with these ongoing subplots, but basically Black Cat right. has been in the hospital for like three years. Like, it's ridiculous. But whatever. I mean, I mean I'd have, I've never been shot by a shotgun. I don't know how long it would take to get out of the hospital. Oh, that's what's wrong with her? Was it a shotgun or was it Dr. Octopus's or octopus uh, Doc, arm? Doc Ock, like, hunter <laughs> or something. But the thing is, though, it's not It's not just that. It's, it's the fact that every time she would recover, Doc Ock would break into the hospital, pull her uh, uh, plugs that are keeping her alive. She would end up, end up back into the ICU, only for her to get better again so Doc Ock can come and pull the plugs again. And it happened three or four times. And she's still in the hospital. I think, it. to be fair, I only remember that happening once, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe it all just blurs together for me. I but think anyway. he came, I, no, I, I think I'm exaggerating. I think he did come twice, though. Okay. So anyway, then, okay. Oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, I, it just, yeah, it, it just dragged on. That, that's it. Oh, it's definitely dragged on. There's no question about that. I don't, it's been so long, I don't remember when this storyline started, but yeah, she's still in the hospital. And in this time that he's still in love with her and visiting her in the hospital, he's juggled two or three other girlfriends plus Shaun of the She Devil, She Devil. So yeah, he is a lady killer here, this Peter Parker. But anyway, he dated um, Kazar's girl. Yeah, well yeah. he he K tried. Kazar was temporarily <laughs> dead, and so they slept in the dead. same bed together, and all, God knows what happened. He's only mostly dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, so back to this. So we get this scene that um, I love. I, I read this as a kid and I just loved it. You know, uh, Peter Parker is still trying to officially leave grad school. And we get this really long, uh, funny sequence of him waiting in lines and waiting in other lines and getting things signed. And, 
you know, he, then he goes to one guy's office and he pisses him off and he goes to another guy's and the guy doesn't, won't give him the time of day. And I love this scene. So he gets back at him because the guy's so dismissive of him that he webs his door shut. And then we get this funny scene of basically the guy's implying that he has to go to the bathroom. And when he tries to get out, the door is webbed shut. And so and then it's funny because he's like, somebody, you know, get me out of here. Dean Crenshaw, thank heaven, I need help. My door is stuck. I'll say it is. Get a custodian quick. I must get out of here. I, uh, I have an important call to answer. I just think that's great. So anyway, so he probably, he ends up getting out. He's fine. But then we go back to the subplot of Peter trying to drop out of school. We get some Peter Parker, or sorry, some Mary Jean Watson hanging out with um, Harry Osborn and um, what's his wife's name? Liz? Liz. Liz, Liz, Liz right. Yeah, so, and they're, they kind of hint at setting Mary Jane back up with Peter because they did date in the past. And that really irks Mary Jane, so she takes off. Then we touch, then we uh, touch base with this ongoing subplot picked up from the last Hobgoblin story where um, somebody has been um, attacking Norman Osborn's former, like, uh, like companies and subsidiaries and headquarters. And um, this one, obviously the first suspect is whoever the Hobgoblin is, but then they introduce this idea that it's actually um, someone else doing it. And so Peter Parker goes in to uh, intervene with this gang of hooligans who are uh, raiding this base and basically through the fisticuffs, he hears them uh, name drop Lefty Donovan. So now he thinks, aha, so now I've got a name for the Hobgoblin. Oh, and by the way, he also drops a spider tracer on the truck. But then the truck ends up opening up and another vehicle comes out and takes off. So he is not able to track that person down. But he does think he's got a name for the Hobgoblin and it's Lefty <laughs> Donovan. But then we cut to a scene of Lefty Donovan going and talking to the Hobgoblin. So obviously the Hobgoblin's not Lefty Donovan. And then the story pretty much ends with Mary Jane on a date. And uh, then this is kind of like reference to Mary Jane always being known as a happy-go-lucky party girl. But, and she sees like a little um, headline about uh, Harry Osborne's businesses being attacked. And she's all kind of like concerned about him. But then the guy's like, uh, you just look serious for a moment. Serious? Don't be silly. You know me. I'm never serious about anything. Never. Dun, dun, dun. Right? So she's just putting on a face there. So anyway, that's pretty much the story. And so I'm going to start with you, Chad. First, I want to know, uh, I know that we have had you on before, but are you familiar with any of these creators, Roger Stern or John Romita Jr. or Cloud? John Romita Jr., yes, definitely. <laughs> JRJR. Mm -hmm. Yes, okay. What are you familiar with him from? Okay, so I remember when he took on X-Men back in the early 90s. Okay, that was his um, second X-Men run then. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, it was like right before Fatal Attractions, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, right. it was a big shift from uh, Jim Lee and Wills, and then it went into the, like, the hands of Kubert, uh, or Kubert, I don't know. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, John Romita Jr. came on the scene, and everybody was like twice as thick as how they used to be, and real choppy pencils, Um and I just remember it having a lot of style. Like it was very different than anything before. Um, and I didn't recognize John Romita Jr. Um, until we got to the page where we saw uh, MJ's hair. And I said, I know who draws hair like this. And I had to go back and I looked and it was him. 
Okay, okay. So judging by what you said, it sounds like you're not a huge fan. Oh, um, hmm. <laughs> I I like I like his style. Okay. Okay, okay. So, uh, um, G.I. Jolie, what is your opinion? Okay, oh, sorry, I should also point out, the key thing about this issue is it's the first one inked by Klaus Janssen. He only did a handful of Spider-Man comics in the 80s, this is one of them. Uh, G.I. Jolie, do you notice a difference in the style of this issue? Mm, no. <laughs> Not really. Uh... Ugh. Sorry, I'm just like searching for an answer and I don't oh. really have one. Well, I would jump to page digital 22. Uh, I, this, oh, okay. this is the issue. This is the page that jumps out at me. Uh, Hobgoblin sitting in the dark. Um, so Klaus Jansen's most f uh, famous for collaborating with Frank Miller on his Daredevil run as well as Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. And I think to me especially compared to Jim Mooney, this is drastically different. And to me, it makes it look more gritty, more realistic, but um, I don't know. What do you think, Jolie? You don't notice a difference? Mm, no, because the, it's recolored poorly. I think that if um, the original colors were retained with mm -hmm. these lines, there would have been some kind of noticeable impact, but I don't see it. So... Um, if anything, like, like I feel like the original colors, like, I feel like I'm 100% correct when I say the original colors look nothing like this. Because like, what we're reading is, like, one of those, like, white page re um, reprinted, recolored monstrosities. Mm -hmm. Like, why, <laughs> why would you choose to recolor a figure who's sitting in the dark in, like, the brightest of yellow? Mm -hmm. Or um, there's just there's no sh there's no there's no tonal values. Mm -hmm. It's just straight color. It's it's almost as if I took a marker, or like you know in Photoshop I plotted shapes that were these colors, and it was that's it. Like it's disappointing. Um, if you go to the next page after that, mm -hmm. where they. Uh, where Mary Jane and Harry pass by the newsstand, even the newsstand person, the way that that person is colored is like really upsetting to me. Mm. Like, why would you choose that type? Like, why would you choose magenta for his t-shirt? Why would you choose the, that Kelly green for his hat? Like just the coloring choices make no sense. So like, uh, aside from the art, which, uh, I will say is like really good. Um, it's so good that it's unnoticeable, which is probably good. Mm -hmm. But the coloring is terrible. And I really wish that the comic book industry would stop doing this. It's, yeah, it just well, makes it look... It, it, it's like almost like defacing it. I don't know. It's going to take a dramatic change in the way they do things. Because it's like you have to recreate the saturation of a newsprint comic yet still be on digital you know or white paper but then the, the next step would be do you mimic the the dot the dots like i don't know if they, could, they should go that far but it was certainly created to look that way so i don't so, know so from a design standpoint but also from somebody who's just been like um ravenously <laughs> devouring 
all of the the things that uh, uh, Jose Villarubia has been talking about when he mm-hmm. talks about coloring, it's not hard. That's the thing. His his um, what he's saying is re- the recoloring that they do is terrible, and it takes even less time than a good job would do. The good job that they think will take more time doesn't actually take that long at all. Mm-hmm. The whole like replication of like values or saturation or whatever, he's able to do this within seconds in order to show people how uh, original comics coloring or right. even restoration like he, how it should look. And unfortunately, like he's a colorist and they're not hiring a colorist to do it. So. Right. Well, okay, but uh, as far as the actual inks, Josh, do you notice a difference with Klaus Janssen's inks on this issue? Uh, with the inks, definitely. Um, it's very, uh, it's a lot more scratchy and like, um, like it feels like, like it's inked. I, I, I know inking is inked, obviously, but like yeah. it, it feels more like you can you can see the pen strokes and everything right um i think in i think at times it really does help and add a lot of style to it but then others i think that it just feels kind of lazy at times Hmm. um i think that uh there's a couple of so when they're fighting the um when spider-man's fighting the uh uh, the the goons in the warehouse Mm -hmm. um there's like one guy in the panel. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't have the page number. Um, I can't seem to find it on the web browser anywhere. What uh, what page number it is? But it's after he swings in. He's like on the the top right panel is him looking up at the uh, from the ceiling, right looking down into yep. the uh, thing. The if you look at the second last panel, the guy all the way to the right just looks like. <laughs> I don't. I could. I could barely tell that that's a face. Like I don't know. Right. I think. I think at times it really works and and it looks good, and then others it doesn't. I mean, even right. just the panel above it, I think, looks a lot better than the one below. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it's just maybe the style works well when you're focusing on one thing, but when you're doing background stuff, it kind of makes it look messy or what. But I, to, to be honest, overall, I really did like it. Um, I thought the art was great. I just think that at times it kind of stuck out as being a little messy. I mean, even on the next page, the guy that Spider-Man's holding by the the scruff of his shirt and his like head is cocked back and he's just got these like really thin like three lines in a row to be like a triple chin or something like that, but it doesn't look it doesn't look right. Something right. is off you about know, it. I think the problem is cuz I've seen Klaus Jansen do pencils as well like I've seen him draw a full story and his anatomy is not great so I think the key is is as long as the pencils underneath are fully fleshed out and detailed he is able to bring like shadow and depth to it and texture but if there's if right. the pencils are loose and you leave it to him to actually fill in the, de- the details of the face that's where it falls apart he's not he too sure right right he doesn't really know how mm-hmm. to do it but I really found that Oh man, it just really changes the tone of the story for me. The inks, you know, like, mm-hmm. and this is a strange way. Like again, I said it's like it's grittier and more realistic, and I just I really like it. Um, and I, you know, I was a huge fan of Jim Mooney, and I liked. Uh, I think it was 
Frank Giacoya, who was working the last few issues, but I do right. like this a lot better. And yeah, um, this is very different from Jim Mooney. Jim Mooney's lines are extremely clean and right. like precise, and you can right. really tell that he understands his anatomy and everything. And this does it. This does add a lot more texture and character, I think. But at right. times, it could be a lot more messy. So I think right. it's got its benefits and its downfalls for sure. Right. Okay, so this is Roger Stern, the uh, seminal Spidey writer of the early 80s. Chad, did you enjoy this story? Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I took notes, guys. Come on. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I liked it because it felt like like a Spider-Man story. Not that I even really know what that means, but there's very clearly like, so in my notes, I wrote, this feels like a sitcom. Like the first couple uh, pages, I think we get to page like 13 before we actually see uh, him in his costume. Aside from like the splash with him kissing Black Cat, right? Okay, so I thought that was a great like intro, like, whoa, the boys are uncomfortable. And then you turn the page, you find out she's in hospital, and then he's immediately like, home. Um, and then you spend the next <laughs> 10 pages with him in blue jeans walking around school. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, there was comedic beats, and there was, like, a little bit of, like, self-reflection. So I felt like, okay, so this is this is uh, uh, Peter Parker, obviously. Um, and then he's just kind of, like, on the case. Um, which kind of follows a procedural that is similar to Batman, but very clearly is Spider-Man because there's jokes to be had and daylight. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it's funny because I'm currently also reading Roger Stern's Superman run, his first run, and it's decent, but I think one of the things that's really lacking is that uh, they didn't, they, they, at least in those days in the late eighties, they didn't have, Clark Kent deal with the same types of real real world problems that Peter Parker does and I really think that helps this era the fact that even though he's a superhero and he's got the proportionate strength of a spider he's not Bruce Wayne he's not rich he's not Superman he can't he's still got to wait in line just like everybody else you know he's still got to deal with people you know to get what he wants I think that's great uh G.I. Jolie so you've read some scattered issues of Spider-Man over the last year with us what'd you think of uh-huh. uh, the script in this one um, no, it's just, when you don't notice that you're reading something bad, it's obviously good. Mm-hmm. It's obviously entertaining. Um, I, again, I really, I like the whole being able to see Peter Parker and not Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So like his little foray into like the registrar's office was it hit a nerve with me because right. <laughs> one, we can all relate mm-hmm. to that. Oh God, to having to hound um, professors for their signature to drop their class, like as if that's uh, like as if they've been. Sorry, it's not as if they've been told that once we approach them, like to retain our uh, to retain our status in the class to keep our money, they don't care. They almost, it is a burden to them that we need to collect their stupid signature. Like, we should just be able to drop the thing. Their waiting list is like 50 people long. But Mm -hmm. anyway, 
the other thing that I really liked, so I liked the writing, obviously, was um, Mary Jane. We got mm-hmm. to see like some fun Mary Jane stuff, but mm. <sighs> poor Black Canary. Oh, Black she's Cat, like, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, poor Black Cat. She's in the hospital and she's doing fine. It's been a few weeks. <sighs> they acknowledge it in a narrative uh, box, but they don't take her out of the hospital. <laughs> they just leave her there. Mm-hmm. So it's like she is getting, She's. they acknowledge that she's getting better, maybe, but then she, I just, I feel like for, in some like weird way, <clears throat> they've castrated a very powerful character by making her the love interest of Spider-Man. Right, right. Um, right. It, it almost feels at times like they wrote this cool idea where, you know, Spider-Man and Black Cat, like a hero and a anti-hero or a villain, get yeah. together, but then they didn't know where to go with it from there, so they right. just had her hospitalized for issues upon issues, because they didn't <laughs> yeah. know what to do with it, right? So, um, it's really getting tiring, and it feels really cheap that they built it up so much mm-hmm. just to kind of like put it back on the shelf yeah right they and they like and and then she's just still so tortured over the same same shit mm-hmm. like yeah. um so nothing nothing has changed except for now he obviously goes and he speaks to her because now she's aware of villains like hobgoblin so i mean she's not she's pretty much caught up and now we as readers know that but like it's almost as if they're asking us, the editors are asking us to like be okay with what they've done to her. And I'm not okay with no. it. So moving on, I, we may have to start like another justice campaign, justice for Deb Whitman, justice for black cat, um, 1980s black cat. <laughs> like, come on, stop, stop. Also, um, let's see here. I don't totally know what they're trying to get at with Mary Jane. Like, I, I, I'm not sure what they're implying um, when they pass by that newsstand. Uh, well, I think it's the. I think the the point is is that in the '60s, Mary Jane was portrayed as this flighty party girl, and that was it. She didn't care about anything, and that was her personality. The contrasted Gwen Stacy who was like the more down-to-earth girl next door. And so I think the whole idea is that they're trying to show that there's a side of Mary Jane that we haven't seen before. But because as a reader at this time, they probably hadn't seen that side of her, you know? And she's also been missing for like several years of continuity. So I think Mm. that's what they're getting at. So who was the blonde that was with her at the show? Uh, I have no idea. Liz? No, 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 no. That was the brunch or whatever. Um, Liz and Harry are dating, which is news to me. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, like, they invited Mary Jane, and she said, Oh, Peter Parker, the four of them are going to double date, but they don't know about Black Cat, which is its own thing. Oh, so here's a question Is Black Cat dating Spider Man, or is she dating Peter Parker? She doesn't know who Peter Parker is. Yeah. She's so she's just dating. making out with a superhero. Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I now I see what you mean. Okay, she's in the theater district. I thought she was with Harry. No, she's with some guy named Jeff. Yeah, Jeff. The yeah. F- is Jeff? Okay, so the I, I, now I understand what 
because you kept saying it, Mike, mm-hmm. where you kept you kept saying they're trying to write her as like this f- happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. So happy-go-lucky is like code for she gets around. No, no, it, it's literally ha- code for she likes to party and dance and have fun and doesn't care about anything. That's that was her personality in the '60s. Hmm. Okay, cool. I mean, like, I have no problem with it. I don't care what she does because no one should, Um, least of all us. (laughs) Like, but I don't know. I don't know why that's like a. Yeah, it it just seems kind of weird to shoehorn her in because now I just don't even know what the Spider-Man action is. To be honest, I don't understand any of that. Like, other than he left the hospital uh, after ch- after visiting Black Cat, he changes in the stairwell and goes after henchmen. Like, like he that was his plan for the day. Like he was like, okay, I gotta go visit like Black Cat, and then I gotta go figure out who Hobgoblin is. Like, no, no, he's he's going to drop classes, and then later there's an Osborne uh, corporate office that's raided, and that introduces uh, that plot, and he. Is he catches it in a newspaper headline, and that's what makes him go investigate it. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, the whole Batman part of it, right? Like you start with the sitcom, and then it's like, oh, something happens, and now I'm a detective, and I'm on the case. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I, you know, I will say um, the one thing that threw me off. I didn't. <laughs> I think it was just me, like not connecting the dots too well. But mm-hmm. I was so confused as to where he got the information to go to the docks from. Because right. I kept seeing him read a newspaper, but did they update the newspaper that quickly? Yeah, of course they did. You know, you know <laughs> like, like it happened and they printed it. So I, I don't know why, I, in my brain, I had to keep rereading it. So I was like, what? how the hell did we get from well, here to here? The one but, thing is, is it does say in the caption, late afternoon. And I know that at least in New York at this time, there was like two or three editions of the new york times like every day oh really okay so yeah there's like morning edition late edition you know emergency edition yeah so it's possible that it came out in the gotcha. edition but anyway okay so we got to wrap this one up i definitely recommend this issue i remember reading it as a kid many times i'm a big fan again of roger stern john romita and klaus jansen so i would recommend it josh do you recommend this issue yes i do yeah all right gi jolie mm-hmm. yeah, it's the good stuff so get it in you all right, Chad, do you recommend this comic? No! Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's joking. Are you joshing me? All right. I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Uh, so that wraps up our review of Amazing Spider-Man. Now we're going to move on to... Hold on. Do you guys hear that? No. Okay, well, I tried to do something funny. It's me it running work. out of the room. <laughs> It's me running out of the room. See you guys later. <laughs> Bye-bye. I'll see you guys next week on the podcast. So, it is cause for celebration because this week is the last issue of Marvel Team Up by J.M. Demetrius. <laughs> Josh, this is de- dedicated to you, all right? Thank you. Uh, <laughs> don't get too excited. Uh, so yes, <laughs> yeah, it's true. We still have to talk about this one. Oh, uh, you, you don't. You, we have to talk about it. But Josh, to celebrate, you are not going to summarize the plot for this one. GI Julie is you, you have. Oh, you guys can't see it because it's a podcast. But Mike has just 
taken out a key and unlocked this chain that was <laughs> yeah. clamped to my leg. <laughs> yes. Oh, sorry. I was like, but but my video is on. How come I can't no. <laughs> see? I'm just trying to find dance hall horn. <laughs> but anyway. So yeah, Marvel team up. It's been the bane of our existence for 49 weeks. It's still... It still might be, depending <laughs> yeah. on who the next writer is, but, yeah. Anyway. I'll so. reserve this button for when we finish this. Okay, so we have Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four, which uh, the last time I was on, I think that he was with the Fantastic Four as well, because they do reference um, the last issue uh, where Stretch gets shot with the... Stretch. What's it called? (laughs) (laughs) With the um, the absorbiscan. That's it. The absorbiscan. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I forgot all these newfangled sci-fi words. But anyway, okay. So we're in the lab, and Stretch is still kind of mulling over his new condition. He's been shot with the absorbiscan, which took away his intelligence, and he only has. I was they were only able to kind of reclaim a bit of it. So Spider-Man is dealing with his weird meltdown. But we also get this like in the narrative boxes, we get this weird voice who is talking to Anna. And I'm like, really? Come on. What like what soap opera shit is this? Like who who is talking? Who is mm-hmm. Anna? And why do I need to care? And Mm -hmm. it goes on like this for like a few, um, for a few pages. It overlaps the recap of the last issue, which, by the way, was unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, I just, I found myself just skipping through it. So all I know is that the voice that we are hearing is somebody named Dr. Faustus, and he, he is bent on um, taking down the Fantastic Four and setting the world on fire, starting, <laughs> starting with America. So, um, Does he mean with his recording career or just literally setting it on fire? Oh, the fire is not burning on the dance floor. Yeah. Whoa. No. Uh, no. He, like, literal flames. Uh literal destruction yeah okay yeah sorry i just (laughs) dance hall anyway i'm 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 in a place um so they i don't know how they've been tipped off i don't know how they get in the same room or why they get into this plane well i don't or where they're even going they take the fantastic car somewhere and then they bump into john what Vienna, Austria? Really? I mean, Is it I know Vienna? That... I don't know. I don't remember. I don't. Yeah. I mean, as much as I tried, I could, my uh, my brain couldn't help but skim read a lot of these uh, captions. Yeah. So a lot of the text. So what? Whatever happens, they're outside of the Fantastic Car, and his spidey sense tingles, and he feels like danger, and it's Johnny Storm who is being controlled mm. question mark <laughs> yeah like, it looks like he's almost like flung out of a the building that's what it mm. kind of looked like to mm. me like 
we see this light kind of shoot mm. out from over top of the building and then he's like losing control and he's like flailing his arms and he crashes mm-hmm. so oh, it, yes. it looks almost like he's thrown over the building oh i see okay well i don't, I don't and, know if that's what it yeah. was supposed to be but that's what i got from it, it was he just like i don't know was shot out of the freaking building i don't know what's his face oh sorry johnny storm that's it mm. John. okay the human torch he's like oh i've escaped i've escaped mm. from wh- wherever Sorry, I just I'm falling asleep anyway. <laughs> um, but he the most important thing is that he tells Reed that they have Franklin, um, which spoiler is his son. So he like suddenly becomes enraged and is like, "I'm going, I'm going in, and I'm going to save my son." And when they're in there, they see the other members of the Fantastic Four, and they kind of have to work through this. Um, diabolical escape room to set everyone free. So while everybody, while they're all doing that, Dr. Faustus can see what they're doing on these screens. And this whole time, this is when you finally see, well, maybe you saw it before. You see him talking to Anna. Yeah, you did before. Okay, so you find out that Anna is this, uh, is sort of this woman who's standing with him in um, in his little room of TVs, and she's the one that's kind of like goading him on to be a better um, villain. And she reminds <laughs> <laughs> she reminds him of his past in Austria, where uh, I think we at this point we just I just assume that she's either like an evil sidekick, an evil assistant, or his wife. It's never yeah, clear. I was thinking wife, yeah. Yeah. It's never clear who she is, but she is down on him like the plague. Um, she's not nice. And she's not nice about how he does stuff. Um, she doesn't agree with his tactics, but she will. She does agree that he is a failure and he feels it. And like all... <sighs> Like all villains, Dr. Faustus is just like, just trying to, it seems like we find out that his uh, motivations are sort of motivated by pleasing her. Um, So anyway, cut back to the Fantastic Four, who now have the, they have the thing, they have uh, Johnny Storm, and now they're looking for Sue. Um, I don't know how it is that they find her other than... It looks to be, <laughs> without reading the text, it looks like they pick a door. And lo and behold, <laughs> she's behind the door. She's in there. And she's in there um, just repeating the word invisible over and over to herself. Because it, I don't think that she's able to become invisible. And I don't know what's causing it. Um, but then she immediately does become invisible. Invisible. Exactly. He touches so her. weird. Yeah, he touches her and that triggers it. Maybe. I don't know. They don't really like they don't really um, they don't they don't really go into too much detail about that. Uh, Anyway, he's he sees Sue and he's like, oh, hey, Sue, stop being crazy. Where's Franklin? He's like, you're, you can be invisible. She turns invisible, and then he's like, okay, cool. Now we gotta find Franklin. And then we see that Franklin, 
Um, like, there's just no sense of adventure at all. No. He's just up on a balcony. He's just up on like a like the second floor with Doctor Doom. Like, when did he get here? I just is it because all Austrians know each other? <laughs> like they hang out in the same facilities. It's like a shared space for villains. I don't I don't know. I don't get it. But he has Franklin. And it's up to them to free Franklin from Doctor Doom's clutches. The one thing that I will say that I did enjoy was when Doctor Doom takes his mask off and he's like, "Look upon the face of the most uh, of your most hated enemy, Richards. Look upon yourself." And <laughs> it's Reed's face. Mm-hmm. That was the best. That was the best thing about this whole comic because he goes berserk after that um shots are fired uh the fantastic four pass out (laughs) and then somehow uh somehow franklin is freed it's never made clear but he's also holding a gun when you see that he's freed (laughs) i don't and then he and he shoots it (laughs) And he uh, shoots it. He's rendered like chucky, beady eyes. We find out that Anna is a figment of his imagination, mm-hmm. of Doctor Faustus's imagination. He leaves a locket. Once they, he, once everyone's plans are foiled, they find a locket, and there's a close-up of the locket. Spider-Man, Spider-Man opens it, and it turns out Anna is his mother, and Doctor Faustus shows him as a little boy inside the locket. It's been her ghost this whole time guiding his journey and like the crowd goes wild <laughs> right okay go on josh sorry um continue <laughs> so what did you think uh it was bad um <laughs> it uh it really sucked uh <laughs> it was I mean, shit um I don't even understand what happened. Like I, 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 I kind of get it, but also n- not at all. No. Like, why did he make the androids just to like torture Mister Fantastic, only to kill him? And then why did Mister Fantastic survive being shot by a gun? Um, <laughs> like, did he not? Because he's talk- stretchy. Did he not? Talk? Did he not talk to the androids at all to realize that they weren't them? There's no hint to this at all. Like it's not a good twist if they don't like hint if, at it. If if they don't hint at it, if by yeah. the end of it you should have, if, if you don't say oh, I should have seen that coming, then it's not right. a good twist because they right. they they're they're leading you in, in a completely different direction. Like it's just so weird, and yeah. nothing nothing works in this story. I mean, even the art. Yeah, art's fine, but it, it, it feels just as lazy at times as the as the story and what's happening uh, in the pages. And and again with Marvel Team Up, it's like it's art covered up by dialogue boxes. Like right, I'm right, so right. tired of this. I'm so tired of reading Marvel Team Up because mm-hmm. there's so much reading involved. Mm-hmm. I, like you don't need to explain every single action that the characters are doing. I can see it. It's just Nothing. I, I don't think I got anything out of this comic. I, I was so, I, and I, it's probably just me being done with Marvel Team Up and it being a bad comic. But I was, I really hated this one. 
I mean, another thing too is like, okay, if when <laughs> when they go into the when they go into the house, mm-hmm. can you guys describe to me where they are? Like, mm. can you tell me what the action is? Like, what what are they doing? Because in every single page, um, the every single panel, it's just a weird white background. And then when Doctor Doom shows up. This is the first time we get like a piece of a building, like like any sort of structure or anything right, notable right. in this building. It's this this like um, um, balcony that he's standing on top of, and then when the all these guns pop out and start firing at Mister Fantastic, it turns into the freaking dark dimension. Like right, there's these right. weird ass like tubes flying around, and these like bars are streaming everywhere, and like what what is happening? Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm like, okay, this has to be, like, a dream. But it didn't end up even being a dream. It's androids. So, like, I, I, like nothing makes sense. No. I can't even follow the action that's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all just an incoherent mess. Nothing, nothing, nothing works in this comic. Chad, what'd you think? Uh, well, I think you guys covered it. <laughs> <laughs> um... I didn't. I had no idea who Doctor Faustus was. Right. Uh, Still don't. But, right. Yeah. Neither do I. Well, I know he had a mom. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, there. It's it's not much of a story. It's like M Night Sh- Shyamalan wrote yeah. Fantastic Four. It's real dumb. Um, right. 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 Uh, what what do my notes say? My notes are real superficial. They say things like. <laughs> The fantastic car looks like shit. (laughs) Um, uh, Let's see. Oh my god, Uh, sorry. I just flipped back to it. I was like, no, you're not wrong. No. (laughs) What What is that? As a a fellow designer, I I see things like that. And like the Batmobile has so much style. And the Ghostbuster Mm. mobile has so much like character. So (laughs) when you think the Fantastic Four needs like a vehicle with some kind of class it just doesn't mm. exist uh so i i think it might be kind of funny for there to be a story about how reed invents things that always look terrible <laughs> uh i mean they might function well but they look really phallic or they look like they're made out of yeah. tin cans or just something stupid um because not everybody has the ability to make things look good no, he's right. just an engineer. And, right, exactly. I I also have a couple of notes kind of in the same vein as that. As an animator, <laughs> I, I always see, like, I always notice in, uh, uh, continuity errors. And yeah. I also notice when things have, like, weird tangent lines in the art. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, on page original 13, the thing is punching with the wrong arm every single panel. Like, it, it literally alternates every single panel. His right arm is like about to like is cocked and then it's his left arm that punches the wall uh, the door and then it shows up a close above the door and it's the other arm and then it shows the door breaking and its arm breaking through and it's the other arm again well does like, that just, mean that it's no throwing three different punches one two three maybe yeah because it's three different sound effects so i can only assume it's three different punches like he's pounding through you know Oh, okay. Maybe that's it then. Bam, wham, okay, crack. Okay, maybe I, I'm wrong. 
Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But <laughs> I don't think that there's an excuse for uh, page 20 um, when uh, Dr. Faust is holding up um, Mr. Fantastic's neck. <laughs> I love that! It's kind of gross. Um, it looks very phallic as well. It's very unfortunate placement, uh, yeah. I think, for him to be holding Reed's neck and head like that. Yikes. Right there in that <laughs> position. Like, it just seems <laughs> not good. Like, you couldn't have think of, thought of any other pose for this? Uh-huh. This is mm. what you choose? Okay. Uh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very, it's like, like... What could you possibly be talking about? Wait, how did I ever forget that? So, hmm. yeah, my impression is this issue is once again a bunch of crap thrown against the wall. Nothing sticks. It, it's incoherent. Again, Spider-Man's only in the first 2.1 pages. Oh, man, I, I think it's terrible. I don't recommend it. Uh, the art is okay. But again, even though Sal Buscema is a good artist, I still think he kind of phoned it in, right? He was probably like, what mm. in the hell is this script? Well, there's no backgrounds. Right, right. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Did uh, did you guys I'm, all see the caption on page twenty two? Uh, asterisk a no prize to the first reader who can compile a complete list of our sneaky clues. Yeah, no thanks. Like, I'm I'm not going back and reading this thing again. <laughs> so they knew they wrote something bad, and they want some nerd to sit there and make a list of all the things that might work. Right. Right. Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about this. Uh, G.I. Julie, do you have anything else to say about it? I will join Josh in a celebration that is never having to read one of these things again. Yay! None of them were good. None of them. Well, there's more Marvel team ups, just not by this writer. But anyway, <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, do you recommend this comic? Oh, readers, Mike has just put the chain back on my ankle. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's definitely more Marvel team-offs. There's no doubt about that. He swallowed the key. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Josh, do you recommend this comic? No. <laughs> Chad, do you recommend this? Will you ever no, read it again? No, exactly. No. I never want to. Re- I love Spidey. I am never reading this story again. I don't care. This was garbage. I had the horn yeah. ready and everything. The twist ending was garbage. Everything was garbage. Anyway. So Ugh. there are more team ups. Oh yeah, there's. Uh, of course, there's 17 more. They're just not by J.M. Demetrius. That's all. Oh god. So I have no cause for celebration. Well, the writer's different, so I'm sure we'll be fine. But we'll find out, right? Oh. Next next time. <laughs> Do we know who the writer is? Can yes, I just... It's actually Bill Mantlo, the same writer as Spectacular Spider-Man. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, uh, speaking of Spectacular Spider-Man, yeah, Josh, um, take it from here. We, yeah, we, uh, we got Spider-Man again. So, uh... We start off this issue with um, uh, the Punisher, and he's kind of going on this rampage, and 
uh, it's supposed to be kind of serious, but it comes off but honestly kind of comedic at times. Right. Because, like, well, we start off with him seeing this man through a window slap his wife, and then he shoots and almost kills the dude. And the two of them are, like, crying on the ground in their apartment building. <laughs> um, he's, like, sneaking down an alleyway. This couple is uh, is using a newspaper as a like uh, an umbrella to stay out of the rain. As they run by a garbage uh, a garbage can, they crumple it up and they throw it in the garbage, but it just misses and like you know uh, is on the ground. Littering is a crime against society. Punisher says and blah 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 shoots down these two uh, th- this this uh, couple as they're uh, ending their date. Uh, taxi. Uh, gets distracted by gunshots i wonder where they came from and doesn't notice that uh he is about to run a red light he shoots the cab driver completely destroys the car the car crashes into a light post light post gets completely decimated cops uh on a horse starts chasing him so like the punisher just seems like a menace at this point he's not he doesn't seem like this like like twisted you know uh, a tormented character that's completely against crime it's it's almost comedic at this point so right from the start they're kind of starting off uh i think on a bad note with punisher but then we see uh spider-man swinging with cloak and dagger as they are trying to track down the punisher um and uh cloak and dagger disappear after saying that um what they have to do is to kill the punisher because he's causing all this chaos and they want to kind of take justice into their own hands uh we cut to black cat who dresses up in uh who dons her costume and jumps out the hospital window (laughs) i don't think we ever see her again maybe i'm just misremembering (laughs) so that I, i mean that's i guess just thrown in there um so uh Spider-Man goes to Fisk to... Oh, wait. They're going to kill Fisk, not Punisher. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Punisher is also on his way to kill Fisk. Um, <laughs> Spider-Man uh, and meets up with Wilson before Cloak and Dagger can get there. I don't know how because they just jumped through a portal to get there and he swung across the city. <laughs> um, so he gets there beforehand and warns uh, Fisk and he already knows everything that's going on. Uh, Cloak and Dagger show up. Fisk says, I don't have to fight you. I have uh, Spider-Man here to protect me. And Spider-Man kind of goes, yeah, you know, I hate that you know that I'm going to protect you because you shouldn't die just, um, you know, for no reason kind of thing, even though you're a bad guy. So that means that Cloak and Dagger and Spider-Man are fighting once again, even though they're they're friends with each other. (laughs) Um, uh, Fisk is getting away. And the Punisher stops him at the uh, the bottom of the hotel, or the apartment building, and they kind of have their own fight simultaneously. Um, they're throwing couches at each other and firing bullets, whatever. Um, I mean, just a bunch of fighting happens, and we, uh, we catch up with them, and Fisk takes out the Punisher and runs away, and Cloak and Dagger also leave, and that's kind of where the comic ends. Oh, boy. Uh, I just got to say quickly, there is a Punisher parody called The Beard Hunter, and it's in an issue of Doom Doom Patrol, and it's written by Grant Morrison, okay? And this dialogue, or this, sorry, this narration reads like a Grant Morrison parody. (laughs) So on digital page five, 
When the guy throws the newspaper on the ground, this is the narration. Littering is a crime against society. Brudda, 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 brudda. He shoots up the window. He almost kills the couple. Run, honey, run. Gunshots. Then Punisher. The light is red and the cabbie's plowing right through it. Another crime. Unloads his gun. Brudda, brudda, brudda. Like, right. this is out of control. As you say, Josh, and, and this is hog wild. <laughs> It's also just weird, too, because, like, the cab driver ran through the red light because he was distracted by gunshots right. from the Punisher. Right. It's not even... It's uh, it's ridiculous. Like, this dude made a mistake because he was scared of something that you were doing, and you're going to fire on him now. Like, you're supposed to be the hero? Like, like, I know that he's not a good guy, but is this not somebody that we're supposed to be rooting for? So, like, he's supposed to be, like... We're supposed to kind of see his side, and it's supposed to kind of be the side of us that wants justice no matter what, but then realizing that mm-hmm. he's wrong. So we're kind of supposed to root for him, but not really. And this is just like, he's like a goofy comic book villain in this. Yeah. Um, so, Chad, I'm going to assume this is your first issue of Spectacular Spider-Man written by Bill Mantlo that you've ever read. You would be correct, sir. <laughs> okay, what did you think? Bill Mantlo's hit and miss, so we have mixed things to say usually about Spectacular. What did you think of this one? I thought it was silly, um, yeah. but I also thought it was like kind of a cute little morality play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it showcases the, the the ethical difference between three pretty significant New York vigilantes. You've got um, Punisher, who I think you're right, um, he speaks comedically in this sense because he's supposed to be. He's dr- uh, draconic. I don't know the words, man. But <laughs> he, like, he's he, his morality is a joke. I mean, who the hell is he? And then after he does all the comedy shooting up, he says that uh, the cops don't don't understand him because he he has a job to do, and <laughs> right, like right. it's just a joke. And then you have Cloak and Dagger, who have a very similar. Um, uh, I'm gonna take justice into my own hands, uh, but I'm gonna do it with like magic and like like fix you because they want to like fix the druggies and like then kill uh, Kingpin. Um, so they have their own way of doing things, and then you have Spider-Man who is clearly breaking the law on his own terms, but like he also understands that the other two groups are foolish. So. And then you had Kingpin, who is clearly like, if you're going to have a villain in New York City, it's going to be Kingpin. Mm-hmm. So you have him at the very end, and then you have these three people that are gunning for him, but in different ways. G.I. Mm. <sighs> Jolie. Yes? What'd you think? <laughs> have, have, you, have you finished the comic yet? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I. I, It's not. Not good. (laughs) But I can't say that it's not bad because it's definitely bad. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Right, right, right. It's bad and it's equally not good. Like, the, the, the stuff with the Punisher at the the top of the book <sighs> I can't put my finger on what it looks like to me 
but just like um it looks like comics like comics with an x you know yes the way that those were rendered even the even the dialogue the boxes they have sort of like this punch to them they have like there was sharpness they have a different shape that is and even the lettering inside the boxes is very comics comics with an x um Am I supposed to be scared of the Punisher or am I supposed to hate him? Like, I just, there's just so many things that are happening that I just, this book is terrible. Sorry. Well, <laughs> the thing is, is I, I, the thing I'll give it is I, I actually appreciate it's, I guess, naivete or whatever. Like, clearly this is supposed to be serious, but it's clearly not. But there's still something about it that I can forgive more than I can forgive Marvel Team Up. Whereas I just think Marvel Team Up is terrible. Whereas at least this is readable. And if if this was the only Spider-Man comic, I would probably like it more. But because Amazing existed, I know that that's how good Spider-Man can be. But I definitely don't hate this comic. I just feel like it's trying way too hard to be serious and deal with like real, you know, issues. But it clearly can't handle them and like i said mm. the 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 narration reads like a parody and it actually kind of reminds me of jim valentino's um what was that called was it nighthawk whatever that image comic was which you know i like jim valentino but again jim valentino's better suited for like guardians of the galaxy or normal man not for a frank miller-esque vigilante which this clearly maybe wants to be but it's failing miserably and like that opening shot of Punisher on the buildings, again, it's like Jolie said, it's kind of like a, it looks like a, like an indie comic, almost like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles imitation mm. of Daredevil rather than a real Marvel comic book. And so, yeah, the art is pretty terrible and the writing's mm -hmm. pretty terrible, but I'll give it credit for at least having the conflict between the characters. And again, this is like the 16th time we've seen Cloak and Dagger like in the same story. So it's getting a little bit repetitious. And when I got to the end and it was like, to be continued, I was like, oh my God, the dragon, this one out too. Um, so that was a strike against it. But overall, I didn't hate it. I just didn't think it was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good. Josh, you got anything else to say about it? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, it, again, it's very repetitive. I think that that the ideas that they're going for is smart mm -hmm. um but they do it in a very dumb way the the characters are cartoonish but the topic is serious right like it's right uh, i it doesn't work both ways so i think that's really the main reason why this fails and then i don't even think that the art is good enough to even justify recommending it for that there's a lot of really, really broken poses. If you go to original right. page 10, when Spider-Man is, like, jumping through the window to see uh, Kingpin for the first time, his legs are, like, completely rubber noodles. <laughs> right. Um, I, I mean, Spider-Man's legs, the entire issue, like, you skip to page 15. Like, his knee is completely broken in the opposite direction. Right, right, When he's right, jumping right. in frame fighting those goons. Like, it, there's mm -hmm. just so many things that seem, like sloppy and and out of place that even the art wasn't like great for me not that it was awful there's definitely moments where it, it doesn't work but I, I definitely could have for 
given it if the story was good. But yeah. I, I think it's just both of them. There's like things that stand out, and it just makes it not a good comic. Also, I can't believe I don't think anyone's mentioned Kingpin's tactic of literally pulling the rug out from underneath the Punisher to defeat him. Like and that's all he has to do is tug on the carpet with his heel, and that knocks Punisher over while he's shooting his AK-47 or whatever it is. And the next time, and then he like throws a couch at him. And the next time we see the Punisher, he's on the ground. Now let's be clear, this comic wants to be realistic and it's trying to be realistic, but if this was a realistic comic, the Punisher would be dead. But no, what, what did Kingpin just give him the, the classic karate chop on the back of the head just to knock him out? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, come on. Yeah, you know? the Vulcan nerve pinch. Yeah, exactly. Away. So, yeah, I, I guess I guess I could say that between this and Amazing, I think Amazing succeeds in what it's trying to do, and this fails. It's trying to be a more adult comic, but it's so obvious that it can't handle it, you know? It can't handle that level of realism, I don't think. Uh, but, Chad, I want to make sure we're not missing any of your notes. Do you have any notes for this one? <laughs> um... Uh, so okay, this is this is probably really lame, but um, the gem on Kingpin, it seemed to sparkle. Okay. Yeah. And I wanted to know if there was like past continuity where it was like magic. I I don't I don't think it sparkles. I think it's it's like a pin. So it's like pinning his ascot to like his <gasps> shirt. So those are those lines are like. Yeah, those are folds, I think. I think it's oh, the, oh. the gem is being pressed in. Oh. Yeah. oh my god, it totally looks like it's sparkly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was staring okay. at that for a little while, too, and, and right. I was like, uh, I think it might be trying to do that. It doesn't do it well. Don't get me wrong. This might It might be a stretch to even say that's <laughs> what's happening, but yeah. I, I have a feeling that's what they were going for. While you look at your notes, I just want to call attention to Cloak and Dagger on the bottom of page Digital 20, where it's like they... Uh, they're having a dance party? It looks uh, like they're dancing. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Oh and, my gosh. But also Spidey is like hiding in cloak, which I didn't know was possible. You didn't know that was his power? Oh yeah, I knew that. Yeah. No. Yeah, cloak is a big big black portal. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, I did know. Okay. Cause that's how that's how they get around, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dagger hangs yeah. out underneath there, and they weird yeah. sexual innuendo. Yeah. Yep. I I think it I think in a different <laughs> comic they explain it better, but it it does really seem really off in this one. I think that the thing is that like his like the like his power is constantly like needing energy, or else he'll kind of like turn into a black hole and suck in the entire universe and her power is like endless light so that energy can feed the black hole so he doesn't kind of implode so they work together mm -hmm. they are inside each other <laughs> yeah you could say yeah. you could yeah. say yep yeah, yeah. Well, see that's cool but like they're great characters 
How do you not, how do you get away with, like, how do you get away with that every time you see them, though? Because it's like, you have to assume that every single time you don't. <laughs> That's the answer, you don't. Every and, and single Spider-Man... time... Sorry, uh, sorry, go ahead. I thought you were finished. Oh, no, you just have to, like, as a writer, don't you just assume that this is the first comic for somebody? And that someone's not going to know what it is that they're doing? Like... Yeah, you know, there's something to be said for that. Um, but then there's also the over-explaining, which Chris Claremont does, where, you know, every time Psylocke is in a story, she says, she says, you know, my psychic knife, these totality of all my psychic energies. Or, you know, you know, it's like they have to describe their power in every single story. So there's definitely right. a, ba- a balance to strike. But... Yeah, and I think when they do explain it, it's done like poorly or it's the same thing over and over again like every mm-hmm. single issue spider-man forgets what cloak's powers are and accidentally gets sucked into the cape he's like oh man this sucks in here and then gets spit out and he's like dang i don't want to get sucked up into that cape again and then the yeah. next issue he's like i could take you and then get sucked up into the cape again he's like oh dang that's <laughs> yeah. like it's like okay we get it like i don't know I- i'm getting so tired of spider-man fighting cloak and dagger too and then, like, making up by the end of the comic just for the right, next right, issue, right. they're going to fight And again. that's the thing is, it's a, it is a great, it's... like, they have a great dynamic, but the problem is, is they've used it, like, the same beats so many times that it loses all yeah. of its uh, potency, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, kind of a mixed bag this week. Uh, <laughs> well, one out of three, I guess. Uh Chad, what's your? I mean, you've you've been on the show before, but this is your first foray into monthly Spidey. What is your first impression? Um, well, I think of the three, I probably liked the first one because of the whole sitcom and procedural aspects. Sure, uh, you get a better sense of who Peter Parker is, what New York City is, his cast, his life. Um, John Romita Jr. has great art. I don't think it married well with the inker. I know that okay. you guys talked about it. Um, I think, well, my whole experience is from the 90s, right? So when I see this artwork in the 80s, I have to think, oh, this is 10 years before I knew him. And that's why I see parts that I recognize and other parts that I think had yet to grow. Okay. Um, the other two issues were kind of a joke. Fantastic Four was definitely a joke. The last one was kind of like, it felt like, well, so when we saw Black Cat jump out of the window, I thought, oh, this is just going to be a 90 car pileup. Everybody from New York is going to be up on like Kingpin's penthouse. But, you know, it just turned out to be a rug fight. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Go ahead, Josh. You know, you know what uh, spectacular Spider-Man felt like this week. <laughs> it what? felt like. Have you ever I'm seen sorry. the video? Have you ever seen the video of the kids, like the little kids, doing a like theater production of The Godfather? Yes, no. that's what this feels like. It feels like very serious topic that they like a with right. a like a, a a deep message, and it's played so childishly that it's laughable. Right, right, right. It, it just doesn't it doesn't work together, and yeah, I I definitely would not recommend this issue of Spectacular. This is one of the worst 
Bill Mantlo, Spidey comics we've read. I, I not worse, just laughable, entertaining mm-hmm. but laughable. So yeah, I don't recommend it. GI Julie, do you recommend it? <laughs> no. No. All right. Not I, at all. So yeah, again, mixed bag this week. Uh, next week we will be looking at. Let, let me just check my schedule here. Oh yeah, next week we're gonna be. Uh, Actually, what are we doing next week? Oh, yeah, that's right. Next week is our 50th episode. It's the big one. We're going to be going live. That's right. Live on Monday night. We're going to be reviewing uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends and the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. So definitely be sure to join us for that. There will be notifications going out. So uh, be sure to tune in. I'm not sure exactly what time it will be, but probably 630 on Monday night. That's August 17th. Because uh, this is taped ahead, but we don't want to reveal that. But anyway, so yeah, Josh, uh, you can take it from here. Guys, I, I just, I accidentally looked at, at next issue of Marvel <laughs> Team Up. Oh, no. <laughs> it's called The Boys' Night Out, guys. Woo! Can't wait! Um, I've never even heard of this fool before. The Jack of Hearts? <laughs> New writer, Josh. Give it a chance. I mean, granted, it's by the same writer that just did this Punisher story, but still. <laughs> okay. Someone let a cat into the well, conversation. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, uh, we want to thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Um, it really does help when you uh, leave a review over on Apple Podcast or uh, drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hctspidercast, um, and you can also find us at the Comic Book Syndicate pretty much anywhere else um uh please keep in touch because we want to keep that conversation going that's right we definitely want to thank gi jolie for joining us again this week and for oh what's your superhero name chad i've looked i can't find it damn it all right thank you chad for joining us (laughs) and we'd love to have you on again Hopefully right. by that point we'll we'll be three for three when we when we uh, do Spidey comics, right? Yeah, so that's our goal. We're working towards it. <laughs> We're almost there though. But anyway, All look right. at that. We've got a new writer on Marvel Team Up. So well, hopefully that's an improvement. But we'll find out, right? <laughs> but anyway, okay, that's it. Uh, so until next Monday, this has been here comes the Spider Cast. All right, see you then. Oh!